The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at the first five verses and consider an introduction to the book of Galatians. Would you please stand as I read the word of the Lord? Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, now as we come to take up your holy word, I pray that you would give gospel clarity to me as I preach through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would give gospel clarity to those that are listening both in this room and over the internet. Bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Post tenebras lux. It's a Latin phrase. It means after darkness, light. For centuries, in what is now referred to as the Dark Ages, man in his sin had added to God's perfect gospel. The religious establishment had twisted the Christian faith into what it is not, resulting in the absence of the gospel and spiritual darkness of many. This year marks the 500th anniversary of what is called the Protestant Reformation, a dynamic shift ignited by the power of the gospel. On October the 31st, 1517, 500 years from this Tuesday, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, calling the church to repent and return to the gospel. Ultimately, the Reformation was not the result of the actions of man, but was birthed through the translation and the study of the Bible. The power of the Reformation lies in the Word of God as the authority, a reliance on Scripture as a sufficiency of all things, and a hope that does not rest in the works or the authority of man. It is summed up in what is called often the five solas, proclaiming that salvation, the solas have everything to do with our salvation, proclaiming that salvation is by the Word of God alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, for the glory of God alone. The Reformation reminds us today that we must stand on the word of God as our final and true authority and that we must know this word so that we can recognize false gospels for what they are and refute them and understand the true gospel and articulate it for the glory of God among us and the nations. You say, Pastor, thanks for the history lesson. What's that got to do with us? Well, friends... The Reformation has everything to do with us today and why I take up the book of Galatians. Martin Luther, whom I mentioned, was shaped by the study of the book of Galatians. As he worked his way through Galatians and Romans, 
the Holy Spirit opened his mind and heart to understand that he and those around him were trusting a false gospel. He began with a clarion call to proclaim the true gospel of Christ. Now, I come today to take up Galatians because I live in an age with you to where false gospels abound. And what I want you to see is that the purpose of Galatians is gospel clarity. That we would clearly see what the gospel is so that two things, two outcomes. How many ever weeks it takes us to work through Galatians? These are the two outcomes that I desire for you. Number one, that you will recognize a false gospel for what it is and that you will be able to refute it. That you will recognize a false gospel for what it is and that you will be able to refute it. Number two, that you will understand the true gospel and that you will be able to articulate it, to communicate it. So let's begin with verse one and what I'm calling the clarity of gospel calling. This morning I will quote from Luther several times for two reasons. One, it's 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation and I'm a little bit of a history nerd. Number two, there's not a better commentary on Galatians than Luther's. Here's what he said of verse one. Paul has in his mouth nothing but Christ. What a statement to say about you. That there is nothing in his mouth but Christ. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul's point is that his apostolic status and authority does not depend on human beings in any essential way. He did not become an apostle from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, I don't have time to unpack everything here, but a major implication just happened right there. This is important in the first century and it's important today. What is Paul saying about Jesus? That Jesus is, he's God. That Jesus is God. He's not just a man. He is God and it is through Christ and God the Father that he has been transformed and appointed as, a God, as an apostle. Now, how did this happen? Let's turn over to Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine. If Paul were alive today, we would call him a terrorist. And I'm not, I'm not using that loosely. I mean it. We would call him a terrorist because what he did, he went from one city to the next to get rid of Christians. His goal was to rid Christians from the world. He was a stout and learned Jewish Pharisee. And he saw Christianity as a threat. It says in verse one, Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if they found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So they were looking for the purity of the synagogue. So they go in, if they discovered Christians, arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem. He was on his way and he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city 
and you will be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now the question is, why does Jesus Christ reveal himself to Paul? Why does he save Paul? Now, Ananias, who is a believer, comes up in verse 10. He's scared to death of Paul or Saul. He's renamed Paul. He's scared to death of him because he's a believer and he knows what Saul does to believers. But God speaks to Ananias and says to him, verse 15, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I want everybody to look up here and hear me because I'm going to confront false gospel right off the bat. Remember 20 years ago, uh, I knew some people that were witnessing to Jeff Gordon, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to Jeff Gordon at all. Okay, none. But if Jeff Gordon had just get saved, just think of the impact. Okay, he did, and all of Charlotte didn't get saved. Folks, this, this idea that God needs famous people to spread his gospel. In fact, here's what I've found. Famous people are often a hindrance to the gospel. Because people are more in, interested in being around the fame than they are hearing the truth. Now, I'm not, that's not an exclusive statement. God can use anybody. Here's what I want you to hear. God didn't choose Saul because he was famous. God chooses Saul because Saul was the antithesis of anything that looked right. I mean, let me just, some people are going to push back to this because there's a different, there's a difference between Judaism and Islam. Okay. But at the root, what most Jews believe and what Islam clearly teaches is you work your way into heaven. So let me just say it this way. This would be like Osama bin Laden being converted and becoming an evangelist. Don't think God chose some famous person. to do This, this, this is a person unlikely to be used of God to proclaim the gospel. In other words, Paul becomes a picture of the grace of God. This man gets what he does not earn nor deserve. Now, let's go back to Galatians. He says... But through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. And he mentions the resurrection right, right, away, right away. And you think, well, why is he doing that? It's because he is speaking to the fact that these people are no longer in the old age. They're no longer under the old covenant. Something new has dawned. And he's saying, this is not an exclusive thing to me, exclusive thought to me. This is from me and the brothers who are with me. I don't have some secret understanding of the gospel. And it is to the churches of Galatia. Now, I don't expect you to understand and, and remember uh, your map of, of the Middle East, but let me, let me just kind of paint a picture to you back from Acts. In Acts chapter 15, there's a prayer meeting in a city. You may remember the name of the city in Acts chapter 15. It's where the missionary movement starts. Antioch. So in Antioch, they have this prayer meeting. Paul, Silas are sent out with the gospel. If you are looking at a map in Galatia, so imagine Galatia is my hands. See where my thumbs come together? That's Antioch. 
So it's the southernmost point of Galatia. So here's what needs to be in your head. In AD 46, the gospel comes to Antioch and it becomes an immediate mission sending place to where the gospel emanates from it. Paul writes Galatians in AD 48. In two years, the very place that was a gospel sending location now is under the threat and influence of false teachers. So here's what I wanna say to you. You gotta own this, friends. You are not immune to false teaching at all. It should sober all of us up to realize it can infiltrate into our lives subtly and easily, and particularly from Judaizers. So let me describe these people briefly. We'll see this more in depth as we work for really the, main, the first three chapters. The Judaizers had three accusations against Paul. Number one, his gospel was from human beings. Guess where they said their gospel was from? God. Number two, Paul's motive is to cater to the Gentiles. Their motive was to maintain the purity of Judaism. Number three, they said that Paul distorted the gospel because he did not emphasize the law and circumcision. Here was their core argument. Don't miss this. We take the Bible literally. David Platt, with urgency, wrote of this verse. Don't forget that much of the teaching of the Judaizers was right down the line biblically. They acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. They acknowledged his death on the cross. They claimed to believe all truths that other Christians believed. They certainly weren't telling people they denied the gospel. Instead, this was their message, we're improving it. We're adding requirements and standards from the old covenant to the new covenant. But the reality is that as soon as you add anything to grace, you lose grace altogether. Amen. And friends, we live in a time and a confusion about the gospel. There is a lack of clarity concerning the gospel. And let me say to you that an unclear gospel is a partial gospel and a partial gospel is not the gospel. We must be clear with the gospel. Now, this is going to be confrontational. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm trying to be pastoral. I'm trying to appeal to you as Paul did to the Galatians. Friends, one of the reasons that we do pastoral interviews with people is to hear you articulate the gospel. If you can't articulate the gospel, how can you believe it? How can you believe something you can't explain? This is a fair question. We can't mumble around about going forward and asking Jesus in our heart. And what is the gospel? What has Christ accomplished? Here's the horror in me of how many people in this county have walked forward and said to a pastor, I want to join the church. And nobody ever asked them anything about what they believed. You understand what I'm saying? There are people who believe because they walked an aisle, they're gonna meet Jesus. Because they didn't act, a social act that we have created in the South that tied to salvation. Friends, only those who trust in Christ 
alone, by grace alone, will be saved. There's nothing that you do. Nothing. So what's the gospel message? Let's be clear with it. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Grace and peace are God's gifts. Grace and peace are through Christ, through the work on the cross. Do you know that your salvation is based on performance? Some of you are going, oh, what, what, what? Yeah, it is, but not yours. Your salvation is based on the performance of Jesus Christ on the cross alone. Now this tackles the fundamental issue in Galatia. In no way do we earn or deserve anything. In no way do we help God. In no way are we improving our relationship with God through the things that we do. Our right relationship with God is through the cross, not through circumcision. We know this in Galatians 2.20, right over from there. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live in the flesh by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is Christ alone. This is grace alone. Again, quoting Luther. Not for a crown, not for a kingdom, not for our holiness and righteousness, but for our sins. These words are the very thunderclaps from heaven against all kinds of righteousness. For if our sins may be taken away by our works, merit, and satisfaction, what needs the Son of God to be given for them? But seeing he was given for them, it follows that we cannot put them away ourselves. Again, by this sentence, it is declared that our sins are so great, so infinite, so invincible, that it is impossible for the whole world to satisfy for one sin. And surely the greatness of the ransom, namely Christ the Son, declares sufficiently that we can neither satisfy sin nor have dominion over it. The force and power of sin is set forth and amplified by these words. He gave himself for our sins. Question. Why? Why did he give us, give himself for our sins? The answer's in the verse. Go back to Galatians 1.3. Look. Look at it. See if you see the answer. Just read the sentence. It's right there. He gave himself for our sins to what? Deliver us. Now let's go back. That's why you got to know your Bible. Let's go back. Let's go back and back and back. The people of God are in bondage. They're slaves in Egypt. And God comes to Moses. And here's what he doesn't say. Moses, I need you. Here's what else he doesn't say. Moses, I'm here to help you. This is what he says. This is in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. I have come down to deliver them. Who came to deliver? God. I have come down to deliver them. This is the message of the Bible. God did not come to assist you. This is the other false gospel that's going on around here. It's, it's subtle. You've got to listen close for this. But basically, here's what Jesus came to do. He came to give you a little boost. Let's get a little boost so you can get on, get right with God, and get right with your life. He's giving you a little, little push, a little nudge. Americans love this. 
because we like ourselves. We can do anything. We can, we can accomplish anything. Hadn't you seen it? It's all over the TV. It's everywhere. It's in every book. It's in education. It's everywhere. I can, I can do whatever I set my mind to. And here's what's flipping me out. There are preachers standing in pulpits telling sinners they can do whatever they want to do. God have mercy on them. Friends, the gospel is not a self-help, self-improvement movement. The gospel is a rescue, emancipation story. John Stott said, Christianity is a rescue religion. Now hear me, friends. Here's why we're reshaping the gospel in America. Because Americans don't want to hear that. Americans are biting the prosperity gospel hook, line, and sinker because it runs right concurrent with the American dream and it says exactly what people want to hear. But what the gospel says is you're a sinner desperately in need of a savior and there's only one and it's Christ the Lord. He has come to deliver us from what? The answer's right there. What he come to deliver us from? Present evil age. Now I got to help you here because I know where your mind went. Present evil age, that means he's talking about terrorism, mass shooting, sexual deviation, all the nasty, awful stuff that's happening in the world. Come back to Luther. Now Luther's going to use a metaphor here. He doesn't believe in two devils. So I'm helping you out before I read this quote. But Luther had a particular insight into this that we need to see. The white devil which forces men to commit spiritual sins that they may sell them for righteousness is far more dangerous than the black devil, which enforces them to commit fleshly sins, which the world already acknowledges as sin anyway. You say, well, I don't know what he means. He means this. He means that man will create a religion that says, if you'll do this and this and this, and this, you'll be right with God. Now, we never did this in the Baptist church, did we? Here's where it got deadly. Here's where it got deadly, friend. How many of you, don't raise your hand yet, how many of you thought, if I come to church every time the doors are open, God likes me better? How many of you have thought, if I'll tithe, then, then God really likes that and God's going to give me more because I tithe. Now, some of you are going to argue some verses with me. I'm talking about your motivation. How many of you have felt the shame of a pastor say you need to come to Tuesday night visitation or shame you, to, you need to go on this mission trip or to get you this up, do this, that, or the other? How many of you, how many of you have made a statement like this? Well, my day's just going terrible because I didn't have my quiet time. So that's a guarantee of a, of a good day and prosperous day and everything you want happening because you read your Bible. Is that, is that your motivation to read the Bible so your day goes well? You see, this subtle thinking is all over the place to where we think if we do certain things, God is pleased with it. Listen to me. The only way God is pleased is through Jesus Christ. Period. Grace and peace are through Jesus Christ who delivers us 
from this present evil age. And what does it look like when we're delivered? I'm just quickly, go to the end of the book, Galatians 6. Far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. All right, anybody grow up in church? I'm, this is, I gotta be careful here. Anybody grow up in church where they had like the Sunday school attendance pens? Bless God. Okay. Did, did nobody see this is contrary to Galatians 6, 14? But far be it for me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but a new creation. So here's what Paul's saying to the Galatians. They were sitting out there in a the congregation, this letter was read, and there were some of them going, whoo, man, I'm right with God because I didn't get circumcised. And you say, well, I don't even know what that is. We'll, we'll get there. And then it's got this other dude sitting over there going, man, I did, I still think it helped me. Paul's saying, neither one of them matter. Neither one of them matter. Whether you drink or don't drink, whether you smoke or don't smoke. Now, I don't think, I'm just, just be careful with me here. Be careful with me. But just whatever it is, dance or don't dance, whatever it is. God's not looking out there going, I really like you. Mm. Here's what matters. A new creation. Who creates a new creation? God alone. God alone. You don't help him make a new creation. It is his work. And this is the point of your growth group lesson from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 to look deeper and more thoughtful at what this means. What is the gospel purpose? What is God's purpose in the gospel? Why did he deliver us, give himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age? Because this is according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory, the glory forever and ever, amen. I had people say, you know, my whole pastor, I just wanna know God's will, I just wanna know God's will for my life. Right? You know, my answer always is, you want to guess? Read the Bible. Because God's will is revealed in the Bible. This subjective idea out here of the will of God, you got to be careful with that. God's will is in the Bible. And here's God's will clearly explained. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us what? the mystery of his will. So that which was unknown is made known in Christ. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his what? Will. Look up here, I'm gonna ask you a question. Is God going to accomplish his will? Now listen to me. I don't know what's on TV today. I hadn't looked at it. And you guys went through some rough time. I wish I would have been here to pastor you through. I watched Dr. Shaddix and the others. They handled you well. I mean, you, there were some rough moments while I was gone. God has never ceased to be sovereign. Never. God will never cease to be sovereign. God will bring all things together. 
according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Now let's think about this. The gospel is according to the will of God and it is for the glory of God. That means when we get together, friends, we don't get together for an experience, we get together to glorify God. That's our purpose. That's why we sing and look to his word to glorify God. We leave from here to glorify God, to share with those who are in need of redemption. So we gather as the redeemed to worship him and glorify him. We depart as the redeemed to glorify him by sharing with those in need of redemption. And we need to understand this, that we will glorify him forever and ever. Forever we will celebrate and contemplate who God is and what he has done. And we will never exhaust it. Ever. Now here's a question I have for you. Here's the so what. Do I know the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? So when Paul starts in verse three, grace and peace, is he just being kind? Is that just a nice greeting? I don't think so. In fact, I know different. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chooses these words very succinctly. It's a sincere desire of the exclusive gospel. Grace and peace, even though they're one-syllable words, are full of theological substance. They summarize the gospel. The nature of salvation is peace or reconciliation, peace with God, which results in peace with men and peace within. The source of our salvation is grace, God's free favor, irrespective of any human work or merit. His loving kindness to us is undeserving. And this grace and peace flow from the Father and the Son together. So here's my question then. How do I come to know the grace and peace of, our, of God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ? I must understand by the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God first the depth and the gravity of my sin. The depth and the gravity of my sin. Again, I illustrate from Luther and I just... Luther, from a young man, understood he was wicked and sinful. His whole reason for joining the monastery was to work his way out of his sin. He continued to deeply battle. It was driving everything he was doing to try to get over this wickedness in him. And then, post Tenebras, Luke's. While studying Romans and Galatians, light. What Luther saw was he couldn't overcome his sin on his own at all. What he saw was is that Christ's sacrificial love manifested through the cross and through the resurrection, that Christ had done it all. It was done. It was finished. And by faith alone, then he must trust in the gospel. So friends, you must understand the depth and gravity of your sin, the sacrificial love of Christ manifested through his cross and the resurrection, and you must trust in the exclusive gospel. You must not add to it or take away from it. Now here's a question I have. Now first to say, the, the world around us is awful cocky right now. They think they got it figured out world's come of age, the media people, the rest of us stupid people, we just need to get wise and get with the program. You know, they keep calling them the Hollywood elites. If, we, if we'd all just 
think and act like them, we'd all be happy. Now, here's a question I have for the Hollywood elites. Why do they keep get arrested for drug addiction? Why do they keep get arrested for doing things wicked and evil? And why do they commit, keep committing suicide over and over? Here's why. Because what they are believing is not leading to grace and peace. I just challenge you here. This is free. Sorry, you're the 11 o'clock service. How many of you parents would give your right arm to make your kid famous? I don't know how many of you have ever met a famous person. You ought to before you try to make your kid one. Fame's a lonely life. Here's what we're all after. We're reaching for peace. That's why we buy more stuff. That's why we try to do more experiences. That's why we try to enter new relationships. Peace. But then, then, then every night we got to go home. The opioid addiction, hear me, is about the lack of peace. If you talk to any addict, they'll say, I feel better. What does that mean, you feel better? What are you feeling better from? I just don't have to deal with all that guilt. Then you got the false prophets. They've always been around. Ezekiel wrote of them, he said this, the prophets of Israel prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace. So here's what we got. Now we got people standing in places like me, proclaiming a false gospel, promising people peace, and there's not any. <laughs> Some of you didn't know this, so I shocked some people. Our, our brother, Art Haney, passed away Friday. He was part of this local church. Here's what happened. His wife went to Chick-fil-A to get him some lunch, and she came back. And Art was dead in his recliner. He peacefully died. Did you hear me? I knew Art Haney. He could clearly articulate what he believed. Art Haney now knows peace. Fully and completely. Isaiah 32, 17, just listen to it. The effect of righteousness will be peace. The result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Now, hear me. The effect of righteousness will be peace. The result of righteousness, quiet and forever. If you read that and you hear the Bible saying, I gotta be righteous. If I'm righteous, if I'm righteous, I'm gonna have peace. If I'm righteous, I'm gonna have quietness and trust forever. Now you go over to Romans chapter three and it says there is no one, what? There's no one righteous, not even one. Now we got a problem. If the effect of righteousness is peace and the result of righteousness is quietness and trust forever and there is no one righteous, then what must we do? Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse six, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. When woman would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. You know what that means? That means that the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness quiet and trust forever. That means when we stand before a holy God, even now, if we are trusting in Christ, he sees us as righteous. Not your righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Luther called it alien righteousness, a righteousness that is not your own. So I have some questions for you further. Let me dig into you a little bit deeper. Is your satisfaction in your accomplishments materially or spiritually? Number two, are you comforting yourself by seeing yourself as better than others? Now this is, I'm gonna go from preaching to meddling right here, so just get ready. Are you comforting yourself because your children are better than other children? That never happens at Parkwood. It's a temptation of Christian people to see ourselves as morally superior. So, so I ask you this question. Tuesday night, those of you who are out here in the parking lot, did you see yourself as morally superior or was your heart broken for the lostness that stood in front of you? Did you see yourself as better? Or did you see yourself walking around? What do you see every day in Gaston County at the place you work? You better than those people? You superior to them? Listen to me, what I'm gonna say. The greatest gospel hindrance is us. Here's what Luther said. God accepts only the forsaken. God cures only the sick. God gives sight only to the blind. God restores to life only the dead. He sanctifies only sinners. He gives wisdom to fools in short. He has mercy only on the wretched. He gives wisdom only to the unwise. He gives grace to those who are not in grace. Therefore, no proud saint, no wise or just person can become God's material. God's purpose cannot be fulfilled in him. He remains in his own work and makes a fictitious, pretended, false, and painted saint of himself when he is, in fact, a hypocrite. Luther was real popular preaching like this. Here's what Luther was saying. It's summed up in a hymn. This is really the question I have for you. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. 
that's right now and when your day come like art and you stand before God. Here's, the, here's, here's my, my trick question that I ask people all the time. If you were to die and you were to stand before God right now and he say to you, because it's not how it's going to play out, but it's just if you're going to stand before God right now and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? If your immediate and convictional answer is not this, every other answer is wrong. And that is because of Jesus Christ alone. My heart is beating a hundred miles an hour right now. As I'm pleading and praying for you as I'm talking to you. He will not be impressed with anything you bring. Hear me. God will not be happier with me because I'm a preacher. God is pleased through Christ alone. Let's pray. God, I confess you're holy and righteous and we're not. I confess that you are true altogether and we are so prone to falsehood. Oh God, confront the false gospels in the hearts and minds of people in this room. Save those who are yet outside of the faith. Convict those who are prone to wonder. And Lord, may we all together come seeking, knowing that blessed assurance comes through Jesus alone. Move among your people now. We pray and we plead in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.